You know what? Uh, I want to welcome people who are might be streaming online. It's so good to see so many people here. Hopefully, after this, hopefully, I say after, it's not quite after yet, but hopefully we will continue to make progress on this COVID and have more and more people come back to the uh, chapel. It's good to see the postmans here. I just have such great feelings uh, with, with Greg um, when we did uh, Hall of Fame and getting to know him more, and it was just a great thrill. And I thank you for being behind the camera on uh, doing that uh, Aspen Hall of Fame. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, for, for and we have, you know, two people in the front row running our county and our city right here in Aspen, at the Aspen Chapel. You guys get along? <laughs> There's space in between the two of you. I can... We need a mediator. Uh, if there's any, you know, really, when I I I, uh, I don't get to speak all that often, but what what I'd really like, you know, not being around here for a while, what I'd really like to do is just have a conversation with everyone. I'd rather just go around and find out where everyone asks, why are you here this morning. Uh, and find out what's going on in your mind. Is there anything that's particularly bothering you this week that you'd like to me talk about or try to find some sort of, uh, you know, uh, direction or, or, uh, or, or, or share with us, you know, what's going on in your life? I think everyone can give a message. Everyone has a story to tell. And sometimes that's how I would really like to start. I'm not going to. If some of you are worried to think I'm going to come around with a microphone. <laughs> At this point, I'm really not. I'm just saying what I'd really like to, to do, because everyone, I mean, it, hopefully this chapel can be a, a place where everyone can speak and, and give their, 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 their message. Uh, so, <clears throat> speaking, uh, speaking of speaking, I almost could entitle this uh, a Sermon on Sermons. I don't even like the word sermon. I like the word message or thought. But I'd like to begin with a, uh, a very old illustration. It's dated. This illustration is dated, and it, it could be a bit sexist uh, today, but it's still, I'm going to say it in its context, but it still makes a good point about Sunday services and sermons. <clears throat> a churchgoer wrote a letter to the editor of a newspaper and complained that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. He said, I've gone for 30 years now, he wrote. In that time, I've heard something like 1,500 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time. And the priests are wasting their time by giving sermons at all. Well, this started a real controversy in this paper, in the letters to the editor column. Much to the delight of the editor, it went on for weeks until someone finally, with debate back and forth, until someone wrote this clincher. I've been married for 30 years now. In that time, my wife has cooked over 32,000 meals. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I do know this. They all nourished me and gave me strength. I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me these meals, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I'd be spiritually dead today. <laughs> I thank you all for being here. <laughs> I've been involved 
I guess with almost 2,000 worship services here and about 1,200 sermons. I think I only gave a little bit over half of the messages. We're always trying to encourage so many other people to speak and so many other authors and, and leaders to speak here at the chapel. That's what the chapel's about. But even though I have given myself or have heard all these messages, I do have to admit I have a hard time remembering many of them, if not most of them, particularly my own. Even though I would spend, trust me, an inordinate amount of time on each one. I think Barbara added, boy, this was hard work last week. I might also add that even though I would believe that most people would not always remember all these sermons, I still never repeated one. I've repeated stories and illustrations, just like I did this morning, but never a whole message. And when I was asked just a, a few days ago to be on deck for this Sunday, uh, and I think Nicholas is being very responsible to quarantine, my first impulse was, uh, I'll just go back and pull a sermon out of my hat or my many files, which <laughs> I have many files. I've saved them all in print. But I didn't. I started to think about the process of my messages as well as what has been simply been on my mind lately. As I look back on my sermons, or as I say, prefer to say my messages, I often have mixed emotions. Sometimes, sometimes I think, oh, that was pretty good. And other times I wonder if it came across as I intended. It's not so much always the content, but the manner in which maybe I presented it. I'd always kind of question myself afterwards. I've often envisioned how I'd really like to present what I wanted to say, but I too often have felt like I didn't live up to exactly how I'd really want to do it in my own mind. Now, I have learned through a number of comments about speaking, and perhaps you have heard this before as well, that any presentation... And I would say this is not just in giving a, a speech or, or a sermon or, or a music, even a music presentation or an art presentation or an educational piece. <clears throat> Perhaps you've heard this as it has been said. 10% of that message is about content. 10% is about presentation. 80% of the meaning behind that message is who that person is, how that person comes across as his or her self. Who are they inside? It's more about who they are than what they say or even do. In other words, it's what's inside that really counts. I think this is true in so many different presentations. It's simply about who the person is inside, inside their heart, their psyche, and the soul, and the very depth of their being. I also learned this from two retired clergy who ended up at this chapel named Ron James and Trevor Lewis. Perhaps some of you here might remember who they are. In their retirement, they were clergy, they were ministers. They retired here in the Aspen community, in the uh, valley community, and they found themselves at this chapel. And they would often say, now they have the freedom to say what they really want to say without an administrative board or a bishop or a diocese 
or all those things that they had to answer to, particularly for their paycheck, I might add, and their congregation, they could feel free here at the chapel to say what was really on their hearts and minds. See, so many times they said that. This was all appreciated by this very open and ecumenical chapel. It's what's inside that counts. And I love this quote from Maya Angelou. And I've quoted this before. I, and, and it's a, a sign that I saw on a poster, and maybe you've heard this too. And she writes, Angelo, Maya Angelo, I learned that people will forget what you said. People might even forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. I think about the mentors and people who have been most influential in my lives. It was, because it, was it because of their intelligence or their magnificent presentations or performances? Or was it simply because who they were, their qualities of character, simply being human? Ron and Trevor contributed greatly to this chapel. Their messages were marvelous. We even have a book of Ron James' top sermons. But I mostly remember for who they were in all those meaningful conversations in between the sermons. Ron James often quoted another minister and professor named Tom Driver that I will not forget. I included this statement that Ron would repeat in my endorsement on the back jacket of Ron's book of sermons here. And it says, a minister is not a model of morality, but a mirror of identity. Not a model of morality, but a mirror of identity. A clergy, you know, whatever that pulpit is, or that robe, or all that stuff, and the ornate pulpit, and all that stuff, it's who they are when they're down to earth. We all need to make that change. How they are relatable. How any mentor of yours is relatable as one human being to another human being. People were drawn to Ron because of his integrity and honesty. He was more than a minister. He was a real human being. And I think, hopefully, that says a lot. It's what's inside that counts. And not only applies to human beings, but also to an organization, such as this church or chapel. This chapel is surrounded by the Beatitudes. And let us look just at this one with the, you can't see it, well, maybe the sun's not coming through, the white lily here. Uh, the Beatitudes means that we have had so many series on the Beatitudes. I've done a few, and Nicholas has done a very good one as well. But just this one with the white lily, and, uh, which means, <clears throat> blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. In our Beatitude brochure, these words are added. In the pure in heart see God. They look for the goodness in others. In the first book of Samuel, we read, Samuel looked on Elihab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height and might of his stature. Because I reject that. For the Lord sees not as a person 
says, People look on outward appearances, but the Lord looks on the heart. In this reading about six, seven hundred years before Christ. Next to the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew, we read, Each of you are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hid, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before all people that they may see your good works inside and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the book of Matthew, I would like to think of this chapel as being a lighthouse to Aspen set on this little hill. The chapel has a beautiful exterior, but it will mostly be known by the light shining inside and by the people who are influenced by an inner spirituality, living out the light in the window. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God and look for the goodness of God in others. It's what's inside. When the outside and the inside are the same, it can be a wonderful inner and outer light. To be on the outside like the person you are on the inside is a great quality, not always easily achieved, I might add. It's called being authentic. Now, if you're not too sure about your inside, know that you are all a child of God. The Spirit of Christ, this Cosmo Christ, dwells within your heart. Please know this and let your light so shine among all people and places. Let it out. In the Gospel of Luke, we read... Being asked by the Pharisees, Jesus, being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God was coming, Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, lo, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. This very well-quoted passage is often cited as God is within you, rather than in the midst of you. Interestingly, it's in the old King James Version, (laughs) which uh, by scholars is like looking at uh, the earth 600 years ago. But I like the interpretation of God within you. But even though the much later Oxford Revised Standard Version interpretation is more accurate in saying God is in the midst, well, let's count both. That being said, know that God, this Spirit of God, however you might see that, is deep inside of you, of everyone. The significant part is for people to know this. Rabbi Rami Shapiro writes, divine reality exists. Call it God, Allah, Tao, Dharma, Brahman, Yahweh, Shiva, There's only one reality that is the source and substance of all. This divine reality is also our true nature. We are not separate from it. And he has this great metaphor that we've used many times, and it's still a wonderful metaphor. Just as a wave is not other than the ocean, we are not other than God. 
We are capable of knowing our true nature as holy beings manifesting the image and likeness of God. Rami continues, everything is a manifestation of God, everything. This means you. To know God is to know yourself. To know yourself is to know this divinity within. In 1 John, we hear loud and clear. One sentence, three words. God is love. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us. And God's love is perfected in us. Take this into your heart. Let it influence the inner you. It's not about a show, but being real and authentic. The chapel is about redefining spiritual values for a contemporary world. And one of those changes, I guess we're going to be talking about those changes maybe Friday night, that's a part of the theme, is that we have, we're coming from a dualistic world where, where uh, you know, heaven's there, hell's there, you know, poor China, and we're in the middle. Uh, it, it, it's, ever since we learned that the, you know, the world is round, it changes our theology, and that is actually what has happened. There are some people who still the earth, the world is flat. There's still people who believe that, I might add. And their theology is that we're bad, and only God, only this Jesus is going to come and save us. We don't, I don't say that. We believe that we are an original blessing, all of us, and it's part of us. Sure, we make a lot of mistakes. There are a lot of things we do wrong. But we don't believe this Jesus sacrifice, a great role model for us to follow those teachings. Last time I spoke here was exactly one year ago. It was a week before our official anniversary of the chapel. That would have been our 51st. Next week is our official 52nd anniversary. And I guess, you know, it was wonderful to have our 50th anniversary here and so many events for about six, seven months and to be part of that. That was great. Uh, you know, whoever remembers the 51st or 52nd, well, next week is our 52nd anniversary, I want you to know. I thank everyone for making the chapels 52 years here. And during that time, and hopefully, even though we're going through some challenges, things can come together here on the inside and the outside. If you build it, they will come as a beautiful building. I can tell you the first seven or eight years, they didn't come. It took people to be here and attract one another, being honest, being authentic, being loving. The chapel can only be here. It takes love of people. What will be our encore for the next 50 years? This past year with COVID and all, all the other things, the chapel's been challenged. Will we recover? Nicholas, as a former marketing person, has come up with a phrase for the chapel, which is, come and look look at the view inside. What will people see and hear and feel inside this chapel? I think it will depend on who we really are deep inside and that how then how that will be manifested outside and with one another. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the window next door, the dove of peace in the window, the dove of peace on the steeple, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So, 
I cannot remember all my sermons, nor many of the other sermons by so many others, and I'm pretty sure most people can't really either, but I do hope some of us can remember how we have felt at different times at this chapel in community. I know I felt nurtured and would have spiritually died long time ago without these leaders and messages at this chapel. May we continue to know what really counts in life. Thank you. Amen.